This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning. So hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the year of the leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast. Leading Second, welcome back to the Leading Second podcast. So excited you're here today uh, for another conversation for all of us who lead from the middle. If you are a second chair leader, you want to get it right for your pastor and ministry on your church team, Leading Second is for you. So welcome back. So glad you're here today. And today we are back with a second installment of our conversation with Les McEwen. Les McEwen is the president and CEO of Predictable Success. He's a brilliant organizational coach uh, for companies of all sizes and and actually churches as well. And uh, we're so excited to have a leader of his caliber on the podcast today, and you're going to hear from him in just a minute. And part of the reason we wanted to have this conversation is to highlight Leading Second Build. Leading Second Build is a new coaching initiative that we have started with Leading Second to come alongside your organization to help diagnose where you're at and a pathway forward for organizational uh, growth and health. It's a new 12-month journey that we've designed to to work with, with pastors and with leaders in a more effective way. And I'd encourage you to head to leadingsecond.com slash build if you'd like more information. It would just be our honor to come alongside you with some of the brilliant tools from the predictable success ecosystem, um, all believing that we can help uh, you know, you faithfully build what Jesus has called you to build. That's Leading Second Build, and we're so thankful for the opportunity to serve churches in this capacity. Also, this season on the podcast, we are so proud to partner with Tithely. Tithely offers free online giving tools that make it simple for your church members to give and to tithe. We're so thankful for what Tithely offers, for the diagnostic tools that it offers churches, and also how easy it makes it for church members to give from digital devices, mobile giving, text to give, and so on. Churches who use Tithely see an increase in their giving, usually by about 165% year over year. It's a brilliant tool. We're proud to partner with them this year. For more information on how you can use Tithely, to grow the generosity of your church, head to tithely.com. All right, we're back. Second installment of our conversation with Les McEwen. Last week, if you haven't checked it out yet, we talked about moving from kind of startup phase to a scaling phase in your organization. And today we're gonna talk more about scaling, what he calls predictable success, and what it will require of you. Some thinking uh, for your team and a little bit at the end about multi-site. It's a fun conversation, brilliant leader we're talking to today. Lean in, gather your team, listen to this together, and uh, let's rejoin our conversation with Les McCune. I have a question. Is the jump from fun to whitewater, is it gradual or is it obvious? I was just thinking like, is it, is it a very much a, a decision that you sit down and make or is it 
you create a few systems and then you realize, oh, this is working. I should keep going at this or, oh, God, that didn't work. Let's go back to chaos and fun. Uh, (laughs) The classic (laughs) route is all of the above. And I can tell you uh, how this typically plays out. So for the first six months to a year, it's a period of denial. Um, So we start messing things up and dropping the ball. And for the first while, you think, that's weird, but that happens. Then you start to think that you start blaming people. Oh, Jen wasn't here. If, <laughs> if Jen had been here, that would not have happened. Brandon's a bozo. we we got to make sure Jen's here next time we're, we're having discussions about wherever it went wrong. Or Brandon wasn't here. If he had been here, that would have happened. Um, and then you start to realize, oh, no, that's not the case. So, and this can take up to a year, often does. You start to say, no, wait a minute. Th- this isn't going away. Because part of you thinks it's just like a pothole on the road on your commute in the morning. You think, oh, well, we'll fix that one. And then my commute commutes back to normal. And the next day, the traffic lights are done. You begin to realize that there's something wrong here every day. And you start to think, you start to th- talk, you use phrases like, you know, church-wide, we have a problem. You begin to talk about something being systemic. You start to realize, oh, these aren't little potholes. There's something wrong overall. And then it begins to emerge, we need some systems. And usually where things are most going wrong, it's very clear where you need the first set of symptoms. So maybe you're your bookkeeping's all mess, you know, and you spend forever trying to, you know, every Tuesday you got to buckle down, spend a whole day trying to get the, you know, the numbers all set. So we we need an accountant, we need a bookkeeper, or, you know, they're, they're, just our communications are are they suck. So we got to get what's this thing? What do you call it, Jack? Oh, Slack, just like your name. We need a thing called Slack. So you you know you and you start to piece things together. Yeah. Now don't forget. And this is really important. The people who are doing this have just been through many years of great success. Wow. So they think they're capable of doing it. The reality is they're not. They're not wired for that. In fun, we see a system or a process getting in the way. We blow that up, right? In fact, we revel in having very few systems and processes. That's, you know, don't hold me down. Don't try to define me, but no, I'm not filling in forms and stuff. Let's just make it happen. And so finally, the final stage is to realize this isn't so much about the systems and processes themselves. Yes, we've got to get them in place. That's the easy bit. What it's about is what becomes the existential issue, which is it means bringing into senior leadership, the most senior level of leadership, a mindset and approach I call a processor leader that hasn't been needed before. It's somebody who brings systems and process to bear. And at that point, our founding pastor and the leaders who weren't really leaders in fun, they were more water carriers, but that's a whole other discussion, who are all just, you know, bright idea in the shower this morning, let's do it by Monday morning, right? Now they're being frustrated at this I don't want to use unhealthy words about somebody, but that person's driving me crazy with the systems and the processes. And that, it's, that's, that's what it's all about in Whitewater, is getting 
your head wrapped around the fact that what got you here won't get you there. So you just you just led me to the question I wanted to ask, which is the Bible teaches us to count the cost before we build the tower. So so before you embark on the the tower, the project, count the cost first. And so if a leader is sitting in fun, but they've made the conscious decision, we want to go to predictable success. We do want to scale this. We want to go multi-site. We want to go three plus services on a Sunday or, you know, whatever it is. They're, 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 they're making the conscious decision to scale. What cost should they be prepared to pay in Whitewater to get there? You're swapping almost complete freedom. Uh, for discipline to say no. Wow. So here's a dirty little secret. Setting aside calling, which is a big statement, right? But let me just do it for a moment. The number one reason people start anything is for freedom and autonomy. They want to do things the way they believe they should be done and in their own time, space, and environment. Wow. Yeah. Now, you in the business world, that's about it. In church, faith-based, cause-based organizations, there is a, the huge element of calling, whatever that might be. But that other thing, the freedom and autonomy, is there. So true. Um, and so typically... Uh, finding a pastor, a big drive for them is that freedom and autonomy to think about something and we're going to do that. And it's the frustration maybe in our previous church at having thought about something or being called to do something, not having the freedom and autonomy to do it, that's often a huge part of that drive. So that's great. And that's how it should be. Don't get me wrong. If you don't have somebody highly driven for freedom and autonomy at the outset, you will not get out of early struggles. It's a huge part of what brings the resilience that gets you out of there. And in fun, you're leveraging that like crazy because now we can say yes to everything. Now we've got, we're sustainable. We can say, apples, I got apples. Don't you want some grapes? Because now we're sustainable. We can do this thing. So we're saying yes, 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 making it happen. We're building the myths and legends of the church are built during fun. That's when we... We pull off heroic things by saying yes and just making it happen. If you're going to build the tower of moving into predictable success, you're going to have to forgive me. I have to get a little, a lot. I'm going, I'm going, to, I'm going, to, be, I'm going to put you to sleep. I'm going to say something really, really boring and hugely important and powerful. The single number one thing, it's a good word, very precise, that, that powers any organization here at church into predictable success and keeps it there, setting aside calling, is this. Are you waiting for it? High quality team-based decision making. <laughs> I, I mean, I have to say that all the time and, I, and I, it drives, it makes me successful churches are really good at making high-quality, team-based decisions. Now, you go back to a church in fun, that isn't what happened. The visionary, often still the founding pastor, is conducting an orchestra 
of hard charging operator types. I'm gonna do this, boom, 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 boom. Let's do that, stopping that. And that's right, that's how you grow something. You can only have one standout front visionary as you're building something. And that's one of the reasons why I said that what often gets termed, and I don't mean this in any derogatory fashion, but what sometimes is called a leadership team in a fun church isn't a leadership team at all in that they're not making high-quality team-based decisions. They're water carriers for the senior pastor vision. And, and I mean that highly positively. Yeah. They're there because they believe in that vision, and I'm going to help us get there. So, and, and they're exhibiting my definition of leadership by osmosis, just what can I do? Anything I can do to help us get us there, I will do that. No thought about heroic stuff. If that happens, that's great. I'll just, I'll carry water and make it happen. And that's that's a hugely powerful pattern. And it's the right one. And you try to grow early stages with any other um, leadership model you'll fill. Well, here's the thing. If you get addicted and hooked for that, it's really hard to get into predictable success because you can't scale that. You can't scale it. If you, if you think about or fun church like this with a, a single decision maker at the very top and then do what the cool kids call 10xing this just becomes a bottleneck you can't do this anymore you've got to flatten out the decision making you've got to have a genuine leadership team who've got delegated authority autonomy their own autonomy and freedom to do their own thing but those decisions are team based am i making sense totally totally and and that's a change here, the four inches between the leader's ears. And sometimes they can make that transition. Sometimes they're, they're, they're gasping for it. That's, that's why I started it. That's what I want. But sometimes it's just, they, they don't even know it. They're so hooked on the fun leadership patterns that they can't build a structure that gets team-based, high-quality team-based decision-making. You, you'd, you'd love my pastor. He talks so much about collaboration. They kind of be his word for trying to describe what you're describing here. And I just think it's the cry of so many pastors' hearts to have a team that can make this transition. But I think we lack we lack tools and, you know, some systems for the executive leaders themselves on what this jump looks like. Uh, Jen, why don't you take us forward? Yeah. Here? So talking about second chair leadership, walk us through the tension of what do I do when my leader doesn't love or even want systems and processes, but it's become obvious that we need structure in this chaos of fun. I'll be tactful. So many pastors are, love the scrappy, right? You just described <laughs> the scrappy to us, and they don't really want to give that up. Yeah, that's absolutely right, and that's fine. What you want to do is, uh, first of all, it, you know, it, they're the leader, and you're working there with them. you got to reconcile yourself to the fact that's what we're going to do. Trying to get them here in predictable success is not going to work, right? If they're finding it difficult to let go of this stuff, that isn't going to happen. And you just burn a lot of people out on the way through. So assuming that the um, the senior pastor is, you know, 55 or younger, and you can't wait them out to retire, 
the best that you can do <laughs> is to say, look, and you might not frame it this way in conversation with them, is is to say, look, let's try and get let let's cut back just a little bit so that e, that the need for systems and processes aren't so high, right? Don't keep saying to yourself, well, you know, we I'm frustrated because we need, you know, a full-time bookkeeper. I'm making stuff up here. Um, and pastor won't let us get one. The long-term solution is go back a little bit to wherever the last point you were at where you didn't need a bookkeeper and sit in there. You know, if you want to be scrappy, be scrappy. Don't be scrappy and tie your back two legs together. You know, why would you do that? You know, be scrappy, be scrappy. So what about when the leader wants it, but they don't know they want it? How do we, how do we talk to our leader to say, hey, here's what we need to go? Because lots of times our leader has put us in place so that we can see things and, and answer the questions that he doesn't, he or she isn't even aware that, that need to be asked. And so we, we have seen, we're more in the boots on the ground. So we've seen the needs for systems and processes. How can we frame it to our senior leaders so that they can see the need for it? I don't think you can, you can, um, I was going to say, I don't think you can ever do this. It's a stupid thing to do. That's, that's a very difficult thing to do uh, in that, you know, most senior leaders are, are clearly not dumb. It's not as if they've had a, a partial lobotomy. <laughs> it's there. They just, it's not that they're not seeing it. They don't want to see it, right? I just, mm. I, I, I don't, yeah, it's not, oh, we need a system of process. Like, oh, I never thought about that before. And I got to go think about it. And no, it's just, they don't want to see it. And, you know, there's all sorts of different reasons for that. I, I will share that. Uh, and, I, and I see it quite a lot when I when when I hear leaders who are talking about really wanting to get continued growth, and they're continually using uh, uh, phrases like "got to be scrappy," "want to stay scrappy," "what you know," "don't want to get encumbered," all that sort of stuff. There are two things happening. One is that they've got a strong dose of that need for freedom and autonomy, and and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Where it's become problematic is it has seeped into their sense of self-identity. And there's a degree to which, you know, if you're, uh, it, and it's happening in any organization, if, if, if you're the CEO or the founding partner of a graphic design agency and everything comes through you and, you know, you're the traffic cop on everything, Scaling and needing, knowing that you need, first of all, systems and processes, which are going to infringe your freedom and autonomy, and then a team that you're going to trust things to, it's easy to start not seeing the need for it because it's threatening. Here's one of the things that is a distinction between the fun stage of growth and predictable success. In fun, uh, if it was a for-profit world, it would be the founder uh, in a church it's typically the founding partner senior or the senior partner uh, senior uh, pastor apologist they and the church have a very intermingled identity wow you know they they're you know two sides of a similar thing they're very very closely identified if you're serious about getting into predictable success those two things need to begin to diverge. The church has its identity 
of which you are a steward. And you can be used the way Steve Jobs used, uh, Apple used Steve Jobs in the later stages of his career as a sort of proxy for the outside world. But you go in behind the scenes, this thing has got its own, it's got, a, it, it, it's, you know, it's a thing which will outlive any individual senior partner, senior mm -hmm. partner. And, you know, m most folks don't flush that stuff out. Of course they don't. But there's a sort of a sense of that, you know? What would you say to a pastor and a team leading in a multi-site church? And I I've heard it said, that you can apply, you know, you're, by, by your definition, you can apply this model to any group, two or more. Um, so I've heard it proposed in multi-site, you know, you can look at each location, each campus through the lens of the life cycle, assuming that even within the same church, different locations, different campuses can be at different places. So if that's the case and that's proper use of this, then then how do we go about managing that? I mean, my church, we have four locations. That means we're probably in three or four different stages here. Let just maybe give us a little bit of, of thought of how we should be approaching that as we're leading in multi-site environments. Yeah, the, uh, the underlying uh, causal, underlying cause of um, a lot of, um, hit and miss on multi-site is not getting clear. And again, forgive me, I'm going to use a for-profit analogy just as a metaphor. Distinction in your mind as to whether you're running a franchise or company-owned stores. So are you looking to bring... Uh, so I, I uh owned a master license for Pizza Hut in Ireland for many years. And this is so long ago, it was well before the internet. And when I and my then partner, business partner, bought the franchise, uh, the master license, we were obligated to open 30 locations. And literally a small truck arrived with manuals. I mean, we had an office which was just filled with manuals, manuals on everything, the ceiling specification, the exact equipment we had to buy, exactly how you made the pizza, how long it went through the oven. And all you needed to be able to do was read the manual and hire people. I was dumb enough to also open a restaurant different time and hire a chef. That's a different thing, right? No chef worth his salt reading any stinking manual. And so when you start with the church model, are you planting with your own equivalent of a visionary leader? In which case, drop the manuals. You've got mm -hmm. to get as close to it being an organic new start. Let them choose their operator, leader, colleagues. Let them respond to the dynamics in their community. Let them find their sustainable market. Or, perfectly valid, again, no judgment in this, are you opening McDonald's? In which case, 
You do not want a visionary leader because they will get frustrated. They will sandbag your systems and processes. You want actually somebody who says, I would love to do that so long as you show me how to do it. I got the enthusiasm mm. and the heart from it. But trying to mix those two often leads to a problem. Now, that was actually wasn't a question that you asked me, so I don't know why I shared that with you, because the answer to your question is, yes, um, in, any, in any organization, once you get past 20 people, and it usually starts a little earlier than that, but once you're past 20 people, certainly by the time you've got 30, 40 people, and in a church world, by the time you've got even like multiple ministries in one building, you cease to be as far as the life cycle is concerned, you cease to be like the, you know, the little Siri dot on the map. You're not that anymore. You're the weighted average of various things that are happening. So here's this thing. We've been doing it for years. It's in treadmill. And really, I mean, it's the same old, same old, same people show up. Numbers are declining. That's in treadmill. Here's our brand new, never did it before, children's ministry. It's an early struggle. Still trying to get our ground. Our, but here's our Sunday morning main meeting, very much in predictable success. We have that nailed. We've got our services are all lined out to Easter 2027. You know, we're, we're on top of this. And so you net out as the, as the weighted average of those. And that's healthy and, that, and that's as it should be. And what becomes problematic is if you start to think, oh, I got to suck all of them up into predictable success. Well, that'd be nice, but you can't do that like that. You've got to start with them where they're at and make the appropriate adjustments so the one on the treadmill is going to need treated differently than the ministry that's an early struggle. Very good. Very good. Les, we've got just a few minutes. To the leader who feels stuck and discouraged in this season, what would you say directly to them? So I know what I'm meant to say an answer to this uh, and it's meant to be very encouraging and really helpful and smart as well, well and short and, and succinct. Short and, succinct. And, I and I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't I honestly know because, because, and I, and I hope you keep this in and don't cut it. And the reason I don't, reason know, is, I don't know is I don't know why, don't know why they're feeling that way. Feeling but that what, way. I will what I will with share you with you is what I've, is what I've, Found so, found so often is particularly, is particularly because of the because big of heart the leaders big have leaders in the church world, in the church world is that when they, do, that when feel they do feel discouraged, it's often because they feel a personal sense of failure. And the question that I I, I, I offer to them, I, not me asking them, I offer it to them to take it off and ask of themselves is, did I really fail or did I just feel like a failure? Because those are two very different things. Wow. And if you honestly can say to yourself, I did fail, I did that thing, and I failed, well, then you need to declare an amnesty and accept that we all do that. And the easiest, glibest thing of all of this is, you know, move on. And if it turns out that you didn't really feel, you just feel like a failure, that's a bigger issue. Yeah. That's where you really need to take some time and think, why am I allowing myself to do this? That's usually something around the imposter syndrome, which you know is universal. Yeah, but I, that, that's a key distinction. So, no glib answers. Don't know the answer, but what I come across a lot is the need to really think through: Did I fail at something, and if so, deal with that? Or do I feel like a failure, but I didn't fail at anything? In which case, you've got to deal with that, and that's a deeper issue. Beautiful. 
Beautiful. We will pause for today, but we honor you. Thank you for your wisdom today. Thank you for perspective. And um, we're putting it to work. It's helping helping a lot of leaders out there right now in our in our circles. So thank you so much, Les. My pleasure. And thank you. And bye, everybody. Well, I think you can agree with me. This has been a brilliant set of conversations with Les. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed them. I hope you'll come back to them again and listen to them. If leading Second Build can serve you or your church in any capacity, it would be our honor to hear from you. Reach out to us through the site. We'd love to do a call with you and discuss the possibility of how we can serve your church and see things move forward. So Leading Second, we love you so much. We're so thankful for this tribe that God is building all over North America, all over the world. Our honor to serve you every single week through this space. Until next time, Leading Second, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. God bless you. To find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leading Second and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook. 